Hello, and welcome back to Manga Kaiwa. Yep, yep, yep. I don't even know how to begin this episode. We are finally back in the same spot on Earth. We are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're finally together. Yeah, this is the first episode in, like, a long time that we're, yeah, we're recording in person together, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's been a while. We started the podcast off like this, obviously. We did, yeah. Um, but then, I mean, we've obviously kind of been bouncing around everywhere, so it has been a little difficult <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to convene. But we are in the same uh, two square meters right now. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, I feel like this should probably mark like the start of a new season. Wouldn't you agree? Or I mean, yeah. I don't. That would actually be a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, so I guess this will be season four now. Yeah. Right? So you yeah. guys will you guys will know when season four is the marker for this episode. We decided this impromptu. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I mean, that's sort of the name of this podcast, right? Impromptu. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I think the topic that we've chosen actually to, to talk about is, is a good way to reintroduce ourselves because um, it's sort of one of those, again, those lists where I'm sort of like, wait, why haven't we done this before? Yeah. And um, yeah, well, <laughs> Ben, do you want to introduce the topic? We will be doing Top 10 Swordsmen in Anime and Manga. Yes, and indeed, you know, another one of those rite of passages for any top ten, um, any top ten series that touches anime and manga, even so slightly. Yeah. Ben, do you want to start? I'm actually kind of curious. I know a few of the characters you're going to have on the list, but... Yeah. All of them? I don't know. I don't know ten yeah. characters I'm sure you'd have on the list, so... All right. Go ahead whenever you're ready. All right, yeah. So for my number 10, I have Vicious from Cowboy Bebop. So, again, so, like, Vicious isn't, you know, a character we get a whole lot of. We get some of. But, like, I feel like what Vicious does well is acting as a foil, as a good foil to the protagonist, Spike. He kind of feels like what, almost like a dark reflection of Spike. This A path Spike could have gone down if he, you know, if he hadn't, if he had isolated himself from society for, you know, for longer, a longer period, after his falling out with the, um, with the syndicate, which was yeah. the organization they were part of. But, um, but I feel like, um, I feel like Vicious is interesting, because he does use a sword, which I find is, like, a nice, is an interesting contrast, because Spike, the protagonist, uses a gun, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe just me, but I feel like you would normally think that the hero would use a sword and the villain would use a gun, so I feel like yeah. it's an interesting little twist, if, if it even is that at all, but, but, but I feel, but yeah, I mean, Vicious just also does a good job of like, you know, just like challenging Spike, you know, like making, like bringing out, you know, the badassery in Spike. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Spike sees Vicious like, okay, no, no more, no more joke time. Yeah, <laughs> no more joke exactly. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No more slice of life with Ayn and Eddie. Yeah. Uh, um... Ah, but, like, I think it's, I, it's like, again, one of those stories where, like, why didn't I even think of that as a possibility for my top ten? <laughs> and I think the whole thing with the, 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 the sword really does stand out as well, because, like, I mean, yeah, obviously, Cowboy Bebop's a series that takes place a good chunk into the future, as in, you know, space travel is more than possible. So, yeah, it's sort of weird to see this kind of archaic, but I feel like that does sort of, like, almost reflect, like, almost what the stereotypical image of, like... 
all the Japanese gangs, mafia, Yakuza are these days as well, yeah. right? Like using not only older methods of fighting, but also just older methods of doing things in general, like hierarchy and stuff like that. And I yeah. feel like like a sword, while everybody else is already using stuff that's supposedly far beyond that technologically, is, I don't know, I think that might say something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, alright, you're starting off with a Watanabe pick. Yep. I'm sure it won't be the last we see of him. <laughs> alright, so my number, my first pick, my number 10 pick, is Ragnar from Ragnar Crimson. I don't know if you've actually heard of this series, um, Ragnar Crimson. It did get an anime release announce, announcement, so it is going to come to anime form. Um, shoot, I hope I, I didn't even, like, somehow miss it and it's already out. But, I mean, I feel like I would have heard of it, because that's the whole thing with this, this series. It's one of those just series that excels in just building up and paying off hype. Um, I think I've actually mentioned it a few times on this list, if I'm not wrong. Um, or on, on, on just Manga Kaiwa in general. But, I mean, this is, like, one of those series where you have people, like, in the comments of, like, some kind of manga analysis video, like... This is going to break the internet when it gets in an anime form, you know? Like, one of those solo leveling type situations where I think the choreography of, like, Ragnar, the main character, who is this swordsman who receives all of the knowledge um, and sort of combat prowess of his future self, who basically sends his soul, so to speak, back in time. Um, which I think is cool because I am not an isekai fan and that... Um, cleverly does avoid the typical isekai tropes, so um, I'm a little biased against isekai, but let's leave that for another yeah. day. <laughs> um, but I think it's just, you know, it's one of those sort of characters who has a switch, an on and off switch, where, you know, most of the time he's sort of this timid character, and then suddenly, you know, when it comes down to it, it's not like he turns into a completely different person, but just the choreography, the moveset, and I think also just um, sort of the setting that they're in, they're basically fighting these sort of creatures called dragons, but they're not really dragons in the typical sense because they're almost like these humanoid creatures with dragon abilities, so to speak. Um, or the other way around, it's a little complicated, but uh, it just works with Ragna and his sword fighting style, and it just creates this scenario that is just ripe for just making hype moments happen. And... I think, personally, that's enough to launch a swordsman into the top ten. You know, if it's cleverly done, it's something to re be respected of an author if they're able to take, like, you know, um, I don't know, a certain character's, like, abilities, like, if they're overpowered or something like that, but then also make it feel like they have something to lose, right? Whether that be by making the opponent even more powerful or something like that, but then making it, smooth, like, organically transition into, like, a turn of the tables where the protagonist is... Where it's not like it doesn't feel like it's complete BS, but it it works works yeah. I don't know. I really like the series. Um, I'm always very happy when there's a new update for the for the manga chapters, and I am intrigued to see what uh, I don't even know what studio it is, but what, what they're going to do with the anime. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, when is that coming out? I actually don't know. I know it was announced a while ago though, so I mean, I hope they they know that they have the chance to make something good out of it. Um, which is maybe why they announced it so early. <laughs> or it's just getting delayed, which is also a possibility. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. But all right. So moving on to my number nine, I have Hie from Yu Yu Hakusho. 
Ah, uh, Sasuke point zero. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sasuke <laughs> prototype. Sasuke, yeah. The prototype well, Sasuke. Although he himself, I would say, is like even an extension of like the whole like edgy like side character trope. That I guess like I'm not sure if like Vegeta was like the first. But, like he kind of looks like Vegeta almost, with, like the hair just like with bangs too. <laughs> low key Vegeta. Yeah. No, not he's not even low key. He, he doesn't have the Prince of Saints peak widow widow's peak, but yeah. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I guess in terms. But um, but as for he, you know, he he do be, you know, he is edgy, but he is you know badass, and like I feel like, um, it, you know, I don't think he is a character that's really known for his swordsmanship, but when he does use his sword, it is pretty epic. I feel like he he does make good use of his like normal sword, and like also like he has this one moment actually where like he uses his this technique that he's known for, which is the uh, Dragon of the Darkness Flame. And he actually, in, in, in one, in one uh, moment, he actually does, he condenses the dragon into a sword, like, like the energy of the dragon into a sword. And I think that's just, that was just like ingenious. I remember you talking yeah. to me about that when you were like watching Yu Yu Hakusho as well. Yeah. Like that moment. I mean, again, it's a Togashi work that I need to check out too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the thing with the, the, Togashi's characters is that it's almost like throughout Yu Yu Hakusho and then, you know, subsequently Hunter x Hunter, he's almost like taking the same archetypes and kind of putting a different twist on them. Like, I know you've, yeah. and others as well, have made comparisons between Kurama and Kurapika. Yeah, Kurama and <laughs> I mean, their names I start with the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah Kurama and Kurapika, um, obviously Gon and uh, Yusuke. Yeah. Um, Kiwa and Hiei and um, of course Leorio and uh, Kuwabara. Oh my gosh, except unfortunately Leorio doesn't have nearly as many combat moments. True, yeah. But then again, I feel like Yu Hakusho, although it was still pretty unorthodox, especially from what I've heard about the chapter Black Arc, um, it was still more of a traditional battle show. Than it was, it definitely was, yeah. Yeah, alright, so uh, my number nine pick is Arthur. From uh, from Fire Force. Actually, I'm really kind of a little iffy on putting this guy on my list. But the more I think about it, the more I realize I freaking enjoyed every time this guy was on 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 a uh, on, on on the manga page, right? Like, granted, in the beginning he was very annoying. So Ben, in case you don't know, and if anybody else who's listening doesn't know, Arthur is sort of this character who um, it's sort of a little bit of a killer bee effect where he's convinced himself that he is something that he isn't but that's his power it's like subliminally messaging himself like you know how killer b's like just always rapping yeah like you feel like you're kind of like he's not taking you seriously sometimes because he's just always (laughs) rapping no matter how urgent the situation is yeah like it's cool but it gets a little annoying sometimes yeah (laughs) but if you can see past that it's cool and i think it's especially interesting because arthur's whole shtick is that so his ignition ability so this sort of the power system in um Fire Force is that he can create plasma swords, um, okay. and they're just, they cut anything, yeah. <laughs> really. Um, but what he does is that he's basically convinced that he's, like, King Arthur. <laughs> but, like, and he never breaks that character, basically. And especially towards the end of the series, where one of, honestly, the best fights that I've ever read happens between him and a character called Dragon. Um, wow, seems to be a theme today. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
uh, he kind of like almost uses his own kind of ability to kind of convince himself of falsehoods to make himself more powerful, um, which I think is just cool. And then like, you know, the, the, the really creative ways that, you know, Fire Force implements just the one concept of fire into multiple different like abilities that really end up getting a little crazy, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining. Um, it's really cool that you can do so much with like one, you know, idea. And I mean, Arthur really isn't an exception, right? Like he, he I mean, yeah, technically all he can do is create a lightsaber, but, <laughs> but he ends up doing a lot more like that, you know, also extending the blade and like, yeah, also, um, you know, just, just doing a lot of just crazy stuff with it. And, like, his fight ends up going to outer space and stuff like that. <laughs> and he ends up, like, slicing the moon in two or something. And, like, it just gets really crazy. Um, yeah, again, I really recommend Fire Force. It's a very, very good shonen um, in the grand scheme of things. It isn't the best, but it's very good. For sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, moving on to my number eight. I have Jonathan Josar from JoJo's. Oh, what? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, again, because like Jonathan is another character that again isn't really known for his swordsmanship, but he does he does use make good use of a sword. He has pluck. He has pluck, doesn't he? He has pluck, and he uses that to kill. I think uh, he uses it against. I'm trying to remember. Bluford was that his name? Well, yeah, it was Bluford's sword. I feel like it was, no, it's Bluford's sword exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then he uses it against I think Bluford's partner who isn't. Kind of turned like Bruford yeah. was. I can't remember. Isn't Bruford's partner is the one who kills Zeppeli? Yes. But I can't remember his freaking name. God yeah. damn. God. <laughs> he isn't yeah. even that that important. But I mean, I guess he killed Zeppeli. So yeah. But he uses it on Dio too. Um. Yes. Uh, yeah. On yeah, Dio yeah, as well. Yeah. It's just. Oh my god. It's. He does it pretty epically too. Because at first he uses like the homo, right? To like weaken Dio, and then like he like, slices through him. You know? But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> Of course, yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, I guess that's, you know, that's the tragedy of Jonathan's character, right? He just, he's a character that just works so hard to, like, you know, just, like, fight against the circumstances he's placed into by this absolutely horrible human being. Oh, but, you know, speaking of JoJo's, guess what I read yesterday? JoJo Lance. Yeah. Nice. Guess what the main character's name is? Uh, what's his name? Okay. It's a little ridiculous, I have okay. to say. But I think I'll get used to it. I'm just Joey. No, Jodio. Jodio. Do Jodio. 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 <laughs> Is that a real name? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And so it's really interesting. And sorry, this is a little tangent, but I just I'm really intrigued by. So it takes place in Hawaii. Yeah. Which is cool. Really okay. freaking cool. But although Jodio is advertised as the main Jojo. There's, there's technically two Jojos this time, because he has a, a brother oh. whose name is Dragona Joestar. Dragona? Okay. Dragona. But I guess... The, so like, there are basically two two Joestars, huh. which is sort of interesting, I feel that, like. That is interesting, but would the younger one be considered a Jojo, technically, because of the name? The or? younger one is Jodio. Oh, okay, So, but the older one would be... You're right, you're right. Um, that is true, yeah. actually. And just like in terms point. of like the tactics. But I guess Joe Joe Stars. You're, but you're right though. You're right. But I feel like again, you could probably like I don't know, I haven't read the raws of the, the, the chapter or even tried to find them, but it could be that for example there's there is um an Ateji version of Dragona's name. So where they take um 
kanji and they they use the readings of the kanji to create like a more kind of westernized or foreign name which before there was such a thing as katakana if anybody doesn't know they used to do a lot like if anyone looks up in a japanese dictionary the word for the word for seattle like the city seattle it's not written katakana it's written in kanji which is really weird but oh. whatever <laughs> oh really i didn't know that Actually. yeah oh. yeah I, I, obviously i think you can still write it in katakana but it's yeah. written in kanji at least in the dictionary um which is kind of cool like so, yeah no, I'm sorry, but it, so would it be pronounced like shiateru, like the answer exactly, of the kanji? Exactly, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it, it's cool. I, like, I could like just have a whole day where I'm like taking Jojo names and converting them to kanji if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, technically, you know, like higashikata, you have to do some mind acrobatics to get it to fit the Jojo yeah, scheme, yeah. so... Who knows? Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, sorry, that was a tangent, but I'm really interested. We also got the names of their stands, which is just pretty cool. Oh, and also, Jogio's stand is freaking weird. But I'm not judging it yet, because I trust Araki. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm next. Okay, so my number seven, wait, no, no, my number eight is, uh, Fujiki Genosuke from a certain very, very brutal, gory, very, uh, almost like Gonagahai decided to, to do like a, some kind of period piece um, called, a series called Shigurui, which translates, I think, the English title, although it doesn't have an official translation, is Death Frenzy. Um, this guy is basically, it's sort of like, almost like a Griffith gut situation that gets okay. set up where... The story basically starts with um, Genosuke, this character that is my number eight spot, facing off against this other character. I can't remember what his name is, but he's essentially someone who was also part of the same uh, swordsmanship school, dojo, and who basically turned on the school. And so, and just was extremely selfish, and the selfish acts just got everybody into major trouble. And he eventually tried to take revenge on them and blah, 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 blah. And then it just, you know, psycho hatred, whatever. Uh, and then they skipped the Takno Jutsu and they went straight to like, <laughs> death battle. Um, and I mean, I think um, the reason he's not higher on this list is because he does seem a little bit flat. But I think it's actually quite well done in the sense that, you know, there is a certain level of stoicism and unreadability to traditional samurai. Um, and Genosuke definitely does that. Like, you get, like, almost, like, freaking, yeah, damn, this is how they, this is, this is what Bushido really is like. It's not all, you know, flowers and roses if, when, you, when you're following Bushido. It's also, like, very, very dark crap that you have to face, um, if you're, like, trying to follow the samurai code. And, like, there is, like, a few moments where he's, like, he's just, like, you know, doing all of these really small kind of rituals for, like, seppuku. But he doesn't, just because there's a slight possibility he might have to do it. You okay. know, he might have to do a ritual suicide. And it's like, he's just, he's just one of those characters that has, you know, the, the, the kind of extreme inhuman determination that you see a lot in anime manga. But it's really does, I think, a good job of demonstrating how that really was back then. And how you can sort of ta- tell a dramatic tale that isn't necessarily realistic because, I mean, you know, it adds a little bit of flair to, to what, what is typically considered realistic, right? Like, I mean, these people are, like, slicing other people, 
in two by flinging swords from in between their toes. Like it's 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 a little wacky sometimes. The series. Um, there are some pretty weird moments, especially with a certain uh, character who is their, their 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 master, basically. But long story short, I think the strength of Genosuke is that more than any other samurai manga I've read, including Vagabond, for example. I think he, for me, as you know, according to what I know of the Samurai Code and how it, it kind of guided their lives, right, really does provide a, a very authentic feeling um, version of that. More so than Vagabond, you'd say. I, well, yeah, because Musashi doesn't train in a dojo. True, yeah. I, mean, I don't know, maybe you, you could argue what is traditional, what is like actually authentic. But, I mean, I guess maybe then I should specify a little more, like just the kind of being raised and taught in a dojo and then eventually like you know taking your career as a warrior from there as i think it was very common and i think also the story takes place a good century or more after vagabond does so it's also actually based on a novel which is interesting the weirdest part is actually it only adapts like the first third of the novel that it's based on but it's still pretty long it's like 15 volumes which is kind of cool yeah I don't know. I really like the series. The art is amazing, but just be prepared for some pretty like wacky moments, like some pretty crazy moments that will like rival your backies and and berserk even. Or... Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. It's pretty freaking brutal. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, death then. frenzy. <laughs> death frenzy. That's yeah. right. Okay. All right. Well then. So moving on to my number seven, I have the you know the I guess the. Uh, you know, obligatory other that um, Watanabe, Watanabe place. <laughs> it's Mugen. From I was, Samurai I was, Jin. I was thinking, who are you gonna choose? Who are you yeah. gonna choose, Mugen yeah. or Jin? Mugen or Jin? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Yeah, I would definitely, yeah, I definitely consider Jin as well. But I feel like you know, Mugen just like really stands out because you know the break dancing. Yeah. The break dancing, yeah. So Mugen is um, is kind of like this. He's not really even a samurai in the traditional sense, but he's just this incredible swordsman who is sort of this master in this unorthodox style of like using like incorporating like breakdancing and, and different like you know different um types of ac- acrobatics into his movements so he can dance yeah. to konomi let's go <laughs> to konomi? i don't know to whatever kind of nudibus track is playing in the background oh yeah konomi yeah yeah oh, Kuro- oh really ah, damn i can't believe i freaking you doctored that name in my head <laughs> no worries yeah um, I mean, I feel like, um, I guess we're going off track. No, like, <laughs> we get a little dancing to, like, I feel like something more like World's End Rhapsody, you know? Because, like, it's more like, like, house and, like, like dance. Yeah. You know? yeah. I guess I, I just have to watch that series. Ah, yeah. I have to stop saying it. <laughs> yeah. And actually do it. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, of course, and, and Mugen and Jin just, like, represent this, you know, really, really iconic contrast between, I think that it's, it's almost like a trope of, like, the the master tactician and well the specialist and the performer whereas you know gene is like the specialist he's like more skilled in a technical sense but mugen is just insanely gifted and like creative as creative well. and yeah, good yeah, at like yeah. fighting like, on his feet like, fighting with his instincts yeah, yeah and yeah. so it's, it's it's like an interesting contrast and they think how they sort of like balance each other out but mugen is like interesting also for like his his own um character development within the series which gene also sort of mirrors but this ability to, like, just, um, you know, just sort of, you know, allow himself to, like, get closer to these people he's traveling with, right? To, like, yeah, yeah. actually accept new companions as opposed to, you know, just 
Seems like a bit, a bit, a bit of a rude guy. At the beginning. He is. I have watched good. the first episode. Yeah. yeah. You have watched it. Yeah, I've watched the first episode. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, he's always by the great um, God, Kazuya something, right? Kazuya Nakai. Or? No. I, I, oh, I'm getting shoot. mixed up, but he's voiced by the same guy who does um, Zoro's voice in One Piece. Oh, really? And, uh, and also uh, Hijikata and uh, Gitama. So, yeah. Damn, my Seiyu knowledge is so lacking, it's not even funny. I need to, I need to top it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me just um, look it up just so I make sure I have the name. Yeah, yeah. Kazuya, I mean, Mugen voice actor. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kazuya Nakai. That's no, no, Nakai, Nakai, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, my, uh, my number six spot is actually another Jin. But oh. his name is Jin Muwan. <laughs> he's from, he's from probably... I would say one of the best manhwa I've ever read. Not that I've read too many, but I've read a decent number. I've read um, Tower of God, God of High School, um, as well as Soul Leveling. Um, I've tried, I've dabbled in a few other manga like Latna Saga. Um, and I think out of them, I would say Tower of God is the best. But I think Legend of the Northern Blade, which is where Jin Muan is from, is a very, very close one. I think, you know, it's very rare... Even in manga and in, 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 in manhwa and comics, to find someone who has such a seemingly kind of natural understanding of choreography and just like the way that you can sort of exaggerate the normal physics to create like these really dramatic fight scenes um, so easily, right? Like, I, again, I'm not saying that this guy <laughs> does his job easily. I mean, the artwork in his, his, his manhwa is absolute insanity. And that must mean that he uh, he does kind of drive himself half to... Half to death, <laughs> you know, as manga could do, unfortunately, and manhwa artists. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is like a really special set of choreogra- choreography that you kind of get in the series. Um, and I think, like, you know, the art, art artwork is just it just like screams just badass the whole time, sort of like, and that's that's just like the <laughs> whole thing. And then it really like Jin Muran, the protagonist, who's sort of this this character who. Um, just to give a little bit of a rundown on his backstory, essentially in this sort of fictional land where um, there was this one organization that was sort of like this border patrol that had to hold off this really powerful nation in the north. Um, they were like the northern northern brigade, sort of, so to speak, the sect, the northern sect. But then they got turned on because through their kind of fighting of this, this entity, they got like very powerful because it's sort of like a training almost to them. And then the main kind of the mainland they're protecting turned on them. And the only person that was sort of allowed to, I mean, I guess, survive, even though, you know, the, the sect was basically destroyed, was the son of the sect leader. And that's the main character. But essentially, the, the sort of beginning of the story guides you through how he still, even though his father's dead, he still somehow manages to learn everything that his father basically uh, constructed in terms of uh, like the, the the sword arts, and it, it's just it's I think a really neat story because it takes a lot of like kind of tropey sort of situations and doesn't deviate from the trope, but really goes into detail with how it works. Like Jin, for example, I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler, learns his sword arts because they're literally um, they're literally outlined, they're literally sort of like described in words that are written in the city. So he stands on this tower that overlooks the city, and when there's a certain light, he sees the letters 
So oh. because he, technically he's not allowed to be doing this because they would see him as a threat then and okay. they would eliminate him. Um, and I think it's it's really cool because it's it is a little bit of one one of those weak to strong stories. But I think more than that, it's sort of like I can't do anything. I'm helpless to I can actually take things in my own hands, which is a typical shonen character arc. But I just think complemented with the just fantastic artwork and just the kind of just the cool edge of badassery. Like, it's another one of those things where you can't create a verbal description of why it's better than some other swordsman, yeah. or just parts of the list in general. But you just know, because, I mean, it's, it's it's a special series. I'd really recommend it, especially if you guys like, um, you know, I mean, obviously the classic kind of really, really popular manhwa-like um, solo leveling or Tower of God, or, I mean, more, I guess, God of High School. It, it sort of is, I think, like a... Like, sort of solo leveling with a little more of a streamlined story. Um, I would say that's a good description for it. I really liked it. I, I really, really liked it. And it's still ongoing. It's actually on its second season right now, which is great. Oh, nice. Yeah, I guess it's curiosity, because you, you were saying how, like, GD is, is kind of, like, forbidden from practicing his sword, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Is it... Because, like, what, what's the setting? Is it Korea, or...? Yeah, so, well, I think it's more like China. It's not okay. specified, but... There are a lot of these... There's this kind of genre of manhwa called, um, shoot, uh, Murim, which is sort of like this sort of trope where the setting is just this world, like this kind of secret society of martial artists. Okay. Basically, where, like, there's the normal world and then there's the world underneath it, which is, like, these world of martial artists that almost live like they they would back then, where they can still, like, you know, have death matches with each other and stuff yeah. like that. And um, it creates for some really cool, like, almost, like, urban fantasy where you're almost, like, seeing these, like, you know, old combat duels, like, in the middle of a city or something like that. But in this case, this is still back then in, in the period of time. I see. Because, yeah, because yeah. when you say that, it does kind of remind me of, like, I, I, I'm not sure, I think it was during the Edo period, but I know there was a period in Japanese history where, like, the samurai were just... Were forbidden, or where they lost their swords? Were they forbidden? Well, yeah, it was the uh, yeah. it was the katanagari, right? it was the katanagari, right? The the, the, the the katana hunt period. Yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I actually don't know a lot about that period of Japanese history because it's like, isn't it literally right before the Meiji Restoration, basically? I think so. Yeah, yeah I guess it would be towards. I guess probably the end of the. Yeah, the, yeah, this is more like I would say almost like. Like, I don't know, 700s, 600s, or something like that. Okay. Like, but again, it's not specified. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I think you could sort of compare it to the world that you see a lot in Avatar The Last Airbender. Something like that. Yeah. In the original. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, moving on to my number six, I have Future Trunks from Dragon Ball Z. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, man, Future Trunks is just one of those characters which just one of those characters that, that, that just like has an introduction that just sticks with you, right? He just burned himself in your memory. Exactly. He yeah. don't. No, he <laughs> well, it, 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 burning attack. But, um, oh, burning attack. Oh, well, that's what he uses against Frieza, yeah. But yeah, you just see him, he just jumps in, and it's like, it's so iconic, because like, you know, others have mentioned, you know, you're, you go into like this, um, you know, Frieza coming back, and you're going into the story, like having this idea that, okay, yeah, so Goku, he's a Super Saiyan now, right? And as far as I know, he's the only one. But then this new guy comes in and he, bam, he's a Super Saiyan too. And he just what? takes out Frieza, just like that. He slices him up, uses the burning attack, bam, he's just gone. And, 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 and his father too, he kills just pretty easily. Oh, wait, King, oh yeah, King Cold. King Cold, yeah. But like, isn't that like a really short sequence? It is, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like King Cold is like, 
like borderline canon or something like that. Because yeah, like, well, he is canon. But yeah, yeah, but like we just don't get much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know that one of the movies did do something with like Cooler or something like that, like Freeze's brother or something, right? Um, kind of, yeah. Because we we saw Cooler, but he's in canon. He's yeah. in canon, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you get like the whole like you go you, you get the the mind bomb of like him explaining to Goku that he's from the future and he's the <laughs> son of Vegeta and Bulma. Like what? How on, some, on, on some Samurai Jack crap, right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because like I feel like um, I'm not sure if Toriyama is even like admitted this, but I feel like but I, I'm pretty sure um, Future Trunks' character takes a lot of inspiration from John Connor from the Terminator. The, the Terminator movies? I'm that not would sure make sense for sure, especially yeah. with the Android saga being the next one. I mean, yeah. although Androids and Terminators are different, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Coming from a world, like a, um, you know, a ruined world of 20 years in the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, Future Trunks is just, it's just, a, he's just, I feel like he's a really nice side here, right? I mean, I think like Toriyama gets like, a lot of flack for, yeah, like, like sort of like ditching the like OG side characters, but I feel like you know, just, um, I feel like, like, the introduction of really nice characters like Trunks, like, really does help with that in that well, respect. And that's where you sort of start to realize why there's even a distinction between Dragon Ball and Z, right? Yeah. Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Because it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense that there's a gap. Because, like, the sa- it's not the same characters anymore, really. You have Goku, but then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have Goku and then Vegeta and Trunks. I should and... stop talking like I know what I'm talking about. No, <laughs> you, 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 you that is the point, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna say it. Ah, <laughs> uh, it needs to be done. Um, all right. So, um, my next entry is Yukanda from uh, a certain D Grayman. So, D Grayman is a series that's come up a lot actually in my list because it is it is one of the best shonen I've ever read um, because it does almost like sort of really borderline on not just being shonen and also just pulling from a lot of other genres like shoujo um, and just a lot of more like effectual sort of elements that take up a lot of focus as well, which is I think also helped by the fact that uh, the manga artist has not always been tethered to shonen jump. In fact, because of hiatuses, um, she's been moved to, to, to jump square and is releasing chapters very slowly, but releasing nonetheless, which is cool. Um... And I think this really shows with this character, um, uh, Yu Kanda, who prior to this, actually, in like sort of the main sort of chunk of serialization where the author, Hoshino Katsura, was still in Jump, where I'm sure there were certain pressures that were not present when she moved to another magazine, you know, was a very stoic, sort of almost like very, <laughs> very um, uh, freaking like Sasuke Hiei type character, right? Okay. Like, he was sort of like, stop messing around, let's get this done. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't care. I've got a backstory that's really tragic, and I'm not afraid to hide it. You know, like, I'm not afraid to hide the fact that I'm an edgy, brooding piece of crap. But <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, you know, it goes on and on for that. And then at some point in the later stages of the series, which is still ongoing, by the way, there's just this huge explosion of character development and progression. It's, like, really sudden, but it doesn't feel unnatural. It's in this arc called the Alma karma arc where slowly but surely the main organization uh that's sort of like the main kind of force of the series that the protagonists are part of starts to get dirt on it right because obviously you always have to have that sort of double edge of ethical in a certain sense but yeah at what cost sort of and this 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 organization the black order you know throughout the series 
slowly but surely starts to get painted as not like this sort of angelic force of good that it was at the beginning of the series where there are a lot of there's a lot of corruption there's a lot of weird willingness to condone necessary evils and stuff like that and this yukanda is sort of someone who has suffered a lot as a result of that sort of willingness because the one person he was closest with was really corrupted by the kind of darkness of the organization and wants to take revenge on it but since kanda is still part of the organization he can't let that happen and it really forces him to sort of like make some decisions about how he wants to treat others and you know how kind he he wants to be and what kind of mistakes he wants to avoid and i think what makes you so special as a swordsman is really sort of like and i think this goes for a lot of characters on my list it's sort of like his synonym synonymousness with swords right like the fact that you know he's always with his sword he's always trusting his sword and only a sword and it's sort of like this um I don't know it's 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 hard to pull off I think like yeah. I think you have a lot of characters in shonen who have swords and it's like oh yeah they're swordsmen sort of you know yeah, like yeah. oh yeah it's a side note but then you have other characters that's that's them that's their yeah. sort of soul the sword is that yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I just have like I mean, there's another character that just instantly jumps to my mind. Yeah, <laughs> he came up in my mind now, too. When you said. <laughs> like, yeah, but like, just, like, the sword is, like, he can't, it, it gets to one where, like, he can't even, like, sleep properly without his sword, right? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just, it's, it's just, ama- it's just amazing, like, that is, it's a part of him, really. Yeah, just, and it's, yeah, and it's yeah. an extension of himself. It's, it is, it's just a feeling of... Sword is bay, you know? Like, <laughs> 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 no, I, no, wait, no, no, freaking, freaking, uh, Farm Farm days <laughs> no, <laughs> I guess that might give it away, but yeah. we, haven't given, well, we haven't given away, we have given away the placements, <laughs> true, true, but I mean, you know, but yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the placement isn't really, <laughs> all right well i guess it's it's me now right yeah yeah mm-hmm. all right okay so number five on my list i guess this is more of a tentative placement because i haven't actually finished the series yet but i have miyamoto musashi from oh. so yeah and of course again to reiterate i have not finished bagamon yet so i feel like he very well could move up this list you know after i finish but nonetheless he's this high up and i feel like um musashi is just one of those characters that just like speaks to me right at this point in my life because he's feel he's like this he's this young man who's just making his way in the world and learning more about himself like why he does the things he does why he like why does he you know like why does he think that he wants what he thinks he wants exactly yeah 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 Yeah, i mean you know like why like questioning why he fights like why does he he wants to be the you know the most powerful under the heavens under the heavens (laughs) yeah uh the strongest under the heavens yeah Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, Musashi is an absolute goat. That's yeah. for sure. And, like, even, like, in terms of, like, the growth he, like, undergoes, like, in terms of, like, the opponents he's faced so far, like, he's, you know, just, like, even in just, like, single fight, we actually do, like, like a whole episode of this. Like, yeah, Inchun, yeah. Yeah, it's Inchun, yeah. And just, like, the, just, like, this sheer, like, level of writing going into, like, both characters, like, within the fight, and the both, and the growth, they both, um, you know, attain as a result, yeah. yeah. Actually, I'd love to do, when you're further in Vagabond, do some extra yeah. episodes. Like, one of my favorite fights in Vagabond is the um, is the fight that you just got past, the chain user. 
Yeah. I absolutely, I absolutely love Rindo, that. Rindo, right? That's his... Rindo, but what's the la- last name? That's what the arc is named after. Yeah. Rindo, but like it was like something with B. I can't remember. Um, well, I love that fight. Because that's when yeah. he first uses Nitoryu. Yeah, so, is okay, so, so well, Rindo is the girl, right? That's yeah, yeah. Rindo. But the who's bad. actually the real kind of, you know, that's her, like, they, like, she's the teacher. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baiken, right? Baiken, Baiken, yeah. who is... Ah, I love that's like that was like for me when also the artwork like just came solid. Like don't get me wrong, the artwork for Vagabond was always fantastic and it always it always ha- has been. But I think you could see like some kind of inconsistencies, like sort of like, you know you know it was still kind of transitioning sort of into the samurai kind of uh, vibe of it all and like, yeah. the swords and stuff. But then in the Baiken arc, in that devil's page, where he, like, first uses the Nitoryu stance. So, because that's what Miyamoto Musashi is famous for, among other things, is inventing this two-sword style. Um, or really mastering it, rather. Yeah. Um, yeah, damn. That was... I love that fight so much. We should do some... We should do some video... With some, uh... <laughs> recordings or episodes on some of the future fights. I think especially... For sure, yeah. Especially some in the, the second y- uh, Yoshioka arc. Yeah. Especially those. Yeah. Um, damn. Yeah. Alright, if you don't mind, I'll move on to my yes. pick, which is... <sighs> I had a really hard time with this one. Um, I actually almost wrote down Asta from Black Clover here, because I think Asta, especially in the more recent kind of parts of the manga, you know, he gets a lot of flack because of that infamous, you know, anime debut where he really pissed everybody off, and understandably so, because I think... Ah, the Seiyu really didn't know what he was doing at that point, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. to say. But, um, again, I, again, like, you know, the, 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 the worst artist is better than the best critic, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, but then I think, like, you know, he really does go through some incredible growth in a way where it's like, it's not like he's progressing, it's not like he's changing, but, you know, the fact that as the sort of power levels escalate and the stakes get even higher, he still stays the same way and is the same kind of lovable idiot, hard-headed, but just very, very kind-hearted, but at the same time just um, unbelievably, like, inhumanly determined as well. You know, that he consistently stays like that, and I think the way that Tabata, the author, is able to create situations where he can showcase that Asta hasn't changed, to just hammer it into the reader's head that this is how strong-willed this guy is is really great but i do think that asta is unfortunately still one dimension flatter than he would need to be be in this position don't get me wrong i think he's an excellent character i really do and i think that he gets a lot of flack for understandable reasons but i think people should try to look under the surface a little bit more but i mean yeah the person who needs to go here is ichigo kurosaki no doubt um i mean I mean, it's an anime about swords. You know, yeah. it's Sword Dragon Ball Z, which is not a bad thing, by the way. I know people have used that as an insult before, but like, what the heck is bad about that? Yeah. Dragon Ball Z with swords is cool. Like, take an example from yeah. Trunks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. I feel like I don't. Know, I just it kind of irks me how like the lot of an, like art like the anime community is just for some reason just comes off as really jaded about Dragon Ball Z, and you know, I feel like it just needs. To, I feel like if you ask me, yes, it's not perfect. It does have its flaws, but at the end of the day. I feel like, I mean, I feel like most people at least should just appreciate it for what it is, you know? Well, yeah, and I think it's also very easy to criticize it because 
of, it, you know, yeah. people people just immediately jump to, oh, it's redundant, oh, it's simple. Yeah, but it's the root of so many things that have been repeated. And I, I know it's, it's, it's something that's been said by everybody, you know, who, who knows how many times, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, and for some characters, it has some pretty damn good development. I mean, maybe yeah. for Vegeta and Piccolo, but... Come on, Kakarot! <laughs> Come on, Kakarot. Transcend into the realm of the gods. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Although that's not Dragon Ball Z, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but back on topic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sword Dragon Ball Z's main character, Ichigo Kurosaki, right? Um, I think, you know, Kubo clearly decides to go very, very far and wide with this whole conceptualization of Zanpakuto's and how... You know, he really gives them so many different dimensions, including their kind of like human manifestations, their kind of like ethereal manifestations, like old man Zangatsu and some, you know, Zabimaru, for example. And the fact that they have their own kind of personality and they're their own essence. And I think that even throughout, you know, the, the series prior to the Thousand Year Blood War arc, where, you know, I would say Zanpaktos were not as fleshed out as they were. Um, later on, for necessary purposes, they still felt special. They felt like they were sort of like these organic extensions of the character, which they are. And um, I think that makes the perfect situation where you can sort of make the fact that a character is a swordsman more than just the way that they fight, but rather like a reflection of their character, which is ideal for Battle Shonen, because that's sort of what I think the core of Battle Shonen is, right? It's like showing characters and developing characters through combat. And... Then, especially with the Thousand Year Blood War, you get this whole revelation. I mean, I don't really yes. want to spoil it, but I guess, you know, we've already spoiled it. Yeah, I, I don't know why I shouldn't spoil it. Um, <laughs> but you get the whole Blade is Me situation, which is actually the latest, um, or the, the finale of the first core of the anime, which I think is genius. I mean, it's not only one of the best twists, the most satisfying twists, because it really feels like, you know, at the end when Ichigo has realized that old Ben Zangetsu is not actually Zangetsu, and the kind of subsequent epiphanies about how his hollow, his inner hollow, is sort of like merged with his Shinigami powers, and that that is really the true Zangetsu. It feels so satisfying at the end of that because you feel like there's this, there's this, there's this sort of like blockage that has been stopping Ichigo from moving forward, and now it's finally gone. Exactly. Yeah. Which is literally what it is. Like Zangetsu, old man Zangetsu was holding him down. Yeah. And I think. You know, especially towards the end when you get freaking like goat designer Kubo's like redesign of the swords. Yeah. I mean, I'm so sad we didn't get to see that Shikai in action more, but uh, yeah. I mean, it was so cool. And I think like, you know, Bleach just has a guaranteed spot on this list, no matter which character you use. I mean, I could have exactly, gone with Kenpachi, yeah. but you know. I, I, was, <laughs> I was considering Kenpachi too, and admittedly, yes, does show up on my list as well. But, um, but it's interesting because like, I mean, just like the whole like, you know, the old man's uh, getsu situation and the boy is me. I feel like it's, it's, it's just so amazing because it just has... It's not out of nowhere, right? We have this build-up throughout the series where we've already... It's heavily foreshadowed. It's it is, yeah. I mean, Zangetsu, you know, I, I mean, why Ichigo? He even tells Ichigo straight up that, yeah, I'm Zangetsu. Yeah, so, you know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then he also, like, there's, like, a lot of moments with Urahara as well. True, yeah. Like, commenting, like, making very small comments... On something that just isn't right yeah. with Ichigo. Like, and it's not like just your normal, oh my gosh, this man is extremely talented. Like, it's that too. But yeah. it's also like sort of like, okay, something's wrong here. Something's legitimately worrying here, sort of. And I, yeah, I think Ichigo is like a lot like, actually, this may, may be a weird comparison, but I definitely don't think it's an incorrect one. 
he can very well be compared to the eighth Jojo, Josuke, in terms of how the main mystery of the story for the longest time is really him and what he is in the first place. Um, I think that's actually a really interesting kind of comparison to make, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I, I appreciate Ichigo infinitely, and he is guaranteed his spot on this list. Period. All right. Yeah, so... Ichigo will pop up again, so stay tuned, but <laughs> as for my number four, I have Askeladd from Vinland Saga. Oh! Yeah. I mean, man, what can be said about Askeladd that hasn't been said, right? Ask-a-chad. Ask-a-chad, yeah. But, man, he's just, like, he's such an iconic character. I mean, you know, like, like, the, like this first season of Vinland Saga, it's, I mean, of course, there's no denying that Thorfinn is the protagonist, and he does get a lot of the focus, obviously, but, man, it's almost like... How, you know, Kenpachi is, like, the MVP of, like, the Thousand Year Boy. Yeah! <laughs> so, it's exactly that way. Like, you know, Askeladd just steals the show, especially... But in, technically you know, in one moment, too. Like, in, in one, one scene. One yeah. Scene, yeah, just, like, oh my god, yeah. Oh my and god. It, it just, and it keeps, you know, coming back to it. I mean, the, it was actually, um, we, we did get, uh, like, a flashback of it in the recent anime season. So, that was, that was nice to see. Yeah, that was nice yeah. to see. And it's not the last we've seen of Askeladd in this season. Like... True. The thing I is, mean, yeah. he has made an impact on Thorfinn, and, you know, for lack of a better phrase of saying it, he lives in Thorfinn's head rent free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think it, it's, it's, it's incredible, too, because if you think about it, Askeladd really is, like, another fodder figure for Thorfinn, despite having killed his actual it's dad. It's so, so weird, yeah, yeah. He has, like, this weird affection towards Thorfinn, almost, I feel yeah. like, towards the end. Yeah, he does, yeah. Or not even affection, but just this desire to help Thorfinn move on. You yeah. know, a little, a, in a weird way, but I think that is, like, so strange, the dynamic between Thorfinn and Askeladd. Because yeah. it is it is very toxic, the way that, you know, you would think that, like, what would have happened if Thorfinn had actually killed Askeladd, right? What would, he, what would he have done after that? Maybe it isn't the fact that his revenge was stolen from him, but the fact that Askeladd died at all. Like yeah, maybe maybe Thorfinn's actual desire was just to have just continually try to defeat Askeladd and fail at it, you know, because that was yeah. what was keeping his mind off of everything else. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sure if like you know Askeladd, I mean, if I mean if Thorfinn actually succeeded in killing Askeladd, then yeah, he, he would feel like I guess maybe some sort of gratification in the moment, but he would just be empty afterwards. Yeah. So it's sort of like how he is now in the anime, but even then, he wouldn't be nearly as I think you know. You know, even now, he wouldn't be nearly as, I guess, empty, for lack of a better term, as he would be if he actually killed Askeladd. Oh, and by the way, uh, how do you like Ponytail Thorfinn? (laughs) Ponytail Thorfinn, yeah. Ponytail Thorfinn is based. Ponytail Bearded Thorfinn. Yeah, Ponytail Bearded first stubble beard, and then the winter comes, and then he's full bearded. Yeah, it's like, that was a little jarring. That was a little jarring. It was, Like, in the anime, especially, where they switched, and it's, wait, 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 didn't Anar just have, like, Stubble? <laughs> a few yeah. seconds ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah, just sudden. Like, just like, yeah. wow, boom. It's time is passed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These, these dudes uh, drank a little bit too much herbal tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's a JoJo reference, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a Johnny Joestar reference. I see. Who can grow his nails back by drinking herbal tea. <laughs> uh, that's a little... That That's like an, an Iraqi it just works moment. It just works, say. yeah. It just works. Alright. Alright. So, I'm next, right? Yep. So, my number four is Manji from Blade of the Immortal. 
This is a character who's shown up a lot, again, on my top ten lists. I think, actually, my list for Swordsman is a very good mix of newer and older characters. As in newer characters that, haven't, that yeah. I haven't really mentioned or talked about a lot. As well as <clears throat> just some reoccurring ones. I mean, Blade of the Immortal is one of the best manga I've ever read. So it's, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that he comes up on this list, especially because he is a swordsman. I think it's interesting, though, because you can draw a lot of lines uh, of comparison to Genosuke. Uh, so this, the, the character from Death Frenzy, Shigurui, that I mentioned earlier, um, who is sort of like this kind of model samurai, almost. This model sort of like, you know, living by the code of Bushido in a very strict and self-disciplined way. And how that authenticity is a valuable experience as a reader, because it makes it makes the series extremely sort of like, you know, tonally tonally distinct, like not unique, but that whole genre unique. And I think Manji is sort of the antithesis of that, where he still represents the samurai code of living, but he's a lot more lax. He, I think, you could probably compare him a lot to Mugen. Yeah, because he's sort of like this this character. First of all, he's immortal, so I think the years have tided over his self-discipline, so to speak, in the sense that he's a lot more willing to kind of joke around. Yeah. But then I, also yeah. just to, like, he's, he's like, kind of messy, and, like, he looks like a hobo, honestly. Yeah. And, and like, um, it's sort of like this, this, this sort of almost borderline Bushido, where he's doing all the, the crap that some, I don't know, deadbeat uncle would do. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but then he still kind of holds in these very key components of honor. And I think there are a lot of characters like that. Um, I won't mention some because I'm pretty sure they're coming up on your list, especially a certain uh, Silver Balls character. Sorry. <laughs> so that was cold word. <laughs> um, uh, but then also, uh, for example, I think, although he's not a swordsman, um, great teacher Onizuka, from what I've heard, sort of, I think you can sort of compare it to that, where it's sort of this very wily sort of experienced person who, through the, the nature of their mortality, has just gone through so freaking much, and um, is then sort of like lending that experience to other people, but then also somehow learning from these people who haven't lived a fraction of, of the years he has. Um, and, you know, he's he's kind of like this nomadic sort of like, I'll go wherever the flow of life takes me um, and just experience whatever comes with that choice. And the only thing that travels with him is his sword and his hobo clothing, you know? And like, it's sort of like, that's it. And I mean, I think that is a sort of flavor of like the Gekiga or the, 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 the Jidai Geki, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the kind of period piece, the, the Edo period or just in general, just Japanese historical period piece. Um, that is also important, I feel like. I think, you know, you it, it shows that there's a lot of different ways you can interpret that. Like, it's not just the, the samurai that are, like, extremely stoic and, and, like, you know, pressed by their code. That code manifests itself so many different ways for so many people. And I appreciate that about Manji. Yeah, for sure. I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see, like, the, the comparison that could be made to Mugen from there. This sort of, like, this sort of, like, like rugged version of a samurai. Not really honorable, but more so, like, you know, like, brash, you would say, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, and it's also interesting that, like, you know, he's been made, like you said, sort of, like, 
infantile by his immortality, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that like another character that could be extended to would be. Um, it's a good way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but would be uh, Beerus from Dragon Ball Super. Yeah. Because you know Beerus is you know, obviously immortal. He's a god of destruction, but he's just so childish. And <laughs> Bro, like, too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Destroy planet. Destroy planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. I mean, I think you could make that comparison, but. I think yeah, Beerus, it's a very loose comparison. It, but I think it's more like for Beerus, it's sort of like immortality and power, meaning uh, just divergence from morality more. Like with 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 Manji, it's not like he's still connected to society. You know, he's not like he's not like aloof or anything like that. He's not like a god. He still yeah. can he still can be taken down. He still is threatened, but. It's more like, haha, you little kids. You're all kids to me, sort of, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know, that's sort of the vibe I get from it. So it's almost like he's such an adult that he's a child. <laughs> I don't know why that's a weird comparison. Yeah. yeah. That is a good point, though, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, moving on to my number three, I have Ichigo Kurosaki again. Huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, so, I mean, Quentin has already brought him up, so I guess I won't speak too much about him, but I feel like Ichigo is just, like, it's just a good, um, you know, he's just a good example of a character that, yeah, he may not have, like, an overarching, like, goal or dream, but, like, even then, he's just, you know, I think, like, I feel like it's, it's, um, it, it's well done, like, how he's, you know, motivated by his, by his, you know, by his desire to protect the things and the people he loves, and, you know, just seeing, like, his growth, like, seeing, like, how, oh, yeah, he's all these different things, but it's just, it's just explained so well by the series, I feel like. Yeah, and, like, puzzle pieces snap. The puzzle pieces, exactly, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, damn, I mean, just, like, seeing just, like, the growth, just, like, how, you know. I and mean, the, yeah, forms, the, the forms, the different forms, yeah. yeah. The forms, yeah. Are just so iconic. I mean, honestly, I would say, like, my favorite, well, at least my favorite, like, a version of Ichigo's blade would be uh, the which uh, his full brain bankai is just I feel like is really nice. oh, it's yeah. so drippy. It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that's I just freaking love the design of his new bankai, and I just hope to freaking goodness that the anime decides to extend that part, which I think it's quite likely because it's one of the most widely sort of. Yeah. Just lacking pieces. No matter what Kubo says, I cannot see an author of his caliber not having some regrets about not filling that in. I think yeah. a lot of people do say, like, no, Kubo has gone on record saying that he's satisfied with the ending, which, yeah, I don't deny. Probably in general, he is satisfied with the ending, which I am as well, right? But I think that final battle, I think, is still lacking. And just there are some gaping holes in it. Like, not in a bad way, because everything else is great, but each goes bound. God damn. Yeah. Give it, give me no. Yeah. And I just, I feel like another thing that, like, just really stands out about Ichigo as a protagonist is that, yeah, he, I mean, he loses quite a bit, right? Like, look at his win-loss ratio. It's not great. It's like, it's, it's, it's like almost as bad as Gong's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, like, even, like, you know, like, like, like some of that immediately comes to my head is, like, Vegeta, right? He gets, he just gets beaten up, like, every time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he's he's like Yamcha in his power scaling tier. No, <laughs> he's like Yamcha if Yamcha were more powerful, but still had to fight more powerful opponents. Yeah, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I, but yeah, he's he's just great anyway. Vegeta in the rain. That's all I can yeah, think Yeah, Vegeta in the rain. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Guts <laughs> theme. Yeah, Guts theme. Uh, all right. Well then, my number three is Zoro from One Piece. Zoro's goaded. Let's, no, let's move on. No. <laughs> but no, no. I mean, like, I think Zoro is one of those characters that is sort of just... Up and decided to just become a figurehead of swordsmen in general, and like media, and like just media in general, right? Like considering the scale of One Piece as well, and how you know widely uh, talked about and and important it is in, in the main kind of pop culture sphere. You know, Zoro is like one of the characters you think of when you think of One Piece, and I think um, you know again, like I, I've been talking a lot about Bushido throughout this, and I think. You know, not only is it interesting to have, like, this sort of samurai character in this world of pirates, it's, it's very interesting. And, you know, it's, it's one of One Piece's strong suits, sort of having this weird patchwork of, of just, huh? Why is there, like, this character in, in, in this situation? Like, how does that even work, sort of? <laughs> and and it, that's the kind of wackiness of One Piece that you have to get used to, that I think turns a lot of people off. But I think it works, and Zoro is a perfect example of that. Um, <clears throat> I mean... Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you be hyped by seeing a guy with three swords, two in one hand, and he's yeah. like, ha, Miyamoto Musashi, only two swords? And then he decides to put one in his mouth, right? Um, and I think, you know, I think it's sort of like this this strange situation where you realize that One Piece is such an... It's, it's in a lot of ways a traditional shonen, but in a lot of ways just a very different shonen series. But then you get reminded that it can still deliver these extremely badass moments and, and fight scenes that are just so valuable for a battle shonen in the form of characters like, yeah, Luffy, but especially Zoro, I would say. And I think that, you know, it's just, I think he just epitomizes everything that a shonen character should be. And on top of that, he's a swordsman and you know, I think also represents a lot of the ideals of a swordsman in a way that is a lot more digestible. Like, you don't have to read a whole textbook. Like, you don't have to read the Gorin by, by, by Miyamoto yeah. Musashi, right, Which to I understand. Actually, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you've read that. That's so yeah. cool. Yes. Um, but, like, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to have read, like, texts on Bushido to really understand his image of it because he's simple, right? Like... You know, he's a simple person in many of the same ways that Luffy is. You know, he's he, he ignores everything that is not important and deals with the consequences of that because that is what best reflects his values, his view of justice, his view of what he should do. Um, you know, like, if, if if he wants to protect his, 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 uh, his captain, then he goes through with that, no hesitation, and will, will die for that as well. Um, will be willing to die for that. And, I mean... I think it's just hard to do that, like, and I think it's it's something that One Piece has done several times, to take a character that is one note on the surface, but make that seem more complex. And, you know, Zoro is his swords, he's a sword nerd, yeah. right? He's just, a, he's just a sword, sword, swords, right? Like, um, more so than any other character, and... Yeah, and I think he just owns that. And the fact that he's not, like, this kind of bland, stale character is, is amazing to me. And I think just purely for the fact that he does all that um, and has still done it for, you know, however many years consistently is crazy. And I respect that. Number three! Yeah, Sam told you. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. 
Alright. Yeah, I mean, One Piece is just, man, I just... It's, it just feels like such an endeavor, but I don't know, even touch the yeah. anime. Don't even touch yeah. the anime. Like, if you're thinking of anything, read the manga. And yeah. read it in chunks, too. Read it in chunks. Let yourself read further if you want to, because that's how you gain momentum. But there'll inevitably be moments where it's slower and you just have to, like, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, people, they see One Piece and they see a massive wall, which is understandable, but it's not like you can't break it down. True, yeah. Like, what you can do is you can read an arc and then take a break. Like, even if it's, like, a long break, you can just watch a recap video for that arc when you move on to the next one. The, yeah. the most important thing is you just you just read everything. And if you break that down, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like, like um, you know, well, you know, with how long one piece is, there are also, like, other things, like, I want to, like, read slash watch. But I'm sure I'll, I'll eventually get to, like... One piece, so yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. I think that you can intersperse it. Like yeah. you can, you can want, you can like read the East Blue Saga, which is a hundred chapters. Yeah, right. And then you can just take a break for like I don't know, even like three years or something like that. All you have to do then is watch a video to recap it, so that you're not all True, lost yeah. when you start the next arc. And you can go through that arc. Like I think it's it's not ideal, but it's possible for a series like One yeah. Piece as well. And again, if you don't want to be a purist and read everything, you can also just watch recap videos for everything, and then you know, True. but that's less exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So moving on to my number two. Oh, I, yes, I have Gintoki from Gintama. Silver balls. Silver balls. <laughs> yes. Ah, Gintama. 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 But um, yeah. But man, Gintoki is just. He's such a character, man. I feel like, yeah, I mean, we all know him as, like, the like the goofball that he is, right? Just, you know, drinking his, um, you know, his strawberry milk, reading his Shonen Jump. <laughs> but, <laughs> breaking the fourth wall mercilessly. <laughs> but, yeah, but, man, when he gets serious, when, when the Shiro Yasha comes out, it's it's just amazing to see. And I feel like Gintoki is surprisingly very well-developed in general. I feel like he has, like, this... Interesting backstory where, like, we're not given to him immediately, but we get little bits and pieces seen from, you know, Gintoki's, like, interactions from, like, his, you know, his past, like, you know, allies, like, you know, uh, Katsura and, uh, what's his name? Sakamoto. Zuda. Zuda. <laughs> well, yeah, Zuda and also uh, Sakamoto Tatsuma, who are also actually based on real people who existed during the, I guess, it, well, I guess it was the Edo period, but, um, The late Edo period. Edo period, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like yeah. Shinsen Gumi officers, I'm pretty sure. And the, the, the Shinsen Gumi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And like Takasugi, who was one, not one of his allies, but has now become like his rival slash enemy. And, but, and the, but then we are finally given like his full kind of backstory. It's just, it just feels so satisfying because you get to see, wow, so that's like why he wait, the way, why he is the way that he is. I feel like, you know, Gintoki like at the beginning is just someone who's just kind of lost in life. I mean, I feel like, it's funny, but I feel like there's actually a huge, an interesting comparison that could be made between him and Guts, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. sure, Gintoki is like going around rampaging, but that's it. At You've the same time, comparison before, I right? have, yeah. Mm -hmm. But and I'm not she's like say, Guts. If Guts could make jokes, yeah, yeah exactly. If Guts, if Guts, if, yeah. If, if 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 the if the eclipse had gone a little less far than it did, you know, like, maybe I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but so it's like instead of like you know going around rampaging like Guts did. Gintoki is, yeah, he's living, he's just, like, he's living an empty life, and I feel like once he, but, you know, but it isn't very long, because we are, we don't see too much of that period, but we do see, like, you know, how he meets, you know, Shinpachi and Kagura, 
how he runs odd jobs with them. And it's it's just it's again like sort of like and uh, without guts like meets like his new companions like Isidro and Chirke and Farnese and all those and all those characters. Just seeing how they're able to move on, they're able to like form these new companionships who just give them new meaning and and yeah and and, just... and, and do some absolute like crazy prank business, you know, like <laughs> some of the videos I've seen from Gintama are just like crazy. Like the the one where they I can't describe all of this because it's a little weird. Where they sled on like people, yeah, and then you know like to to break. Yeah, you know what they do. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Gintama is just so unhinged. It's Bruh. like it's almost like Berserk is unhinged, and also Gintama is, but in a very different. In sense. a very different way. <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah, but yeah, and just and moving on to like even like their enemies. I feel like Gintoki has a very similar um, dynamic with Utsuro, who is Gintoki's actually. Um, Utsuro is like this. Um, uh, alternate personality of Shoyo, who is Gintoki's former teacher, which sort of represents, um, which sort of to me is a very similar contrast between Guts and, um, you know, and Guts and Griffith's contract, the whole Griffith-Femto duality, and you have the Shoyo-Utsuro duality, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just, you know, both of them kind of being, like, backstabbed, not really back, because, like, Utsuro is kind of a different personality, but well, yeah, I've got same. bigger things to do than you, sort of, yeah. a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I could just go into like a whole tangent. I'm yeah. just gonna guess I'm going into a bit of a tangent. Ooh, right. I feel like another another uh, topic for another arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps. But yeah, but yeah, that's my number two. Uh, uh, yes, Sakata Gintsehei. Nice. Yeah. nice. All right, my number two is uh, a certain Gats. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, apparently Guts name originates from like Iron Hand Gats. Well, or, or Guts. Guts. Gots. Gots, right? It's pronounced with an O with oh, two, okay. two dots, the umlaut, so it's Guts. I see. Yeah, yeah which sounds oddly it's, Scandinavian. Yeah, but it's interesting though, because because yeah, Miura I think has commented on that, but but I feel like Miura actually said it was a coincidence because he didn't actually oh, know about the, Guts uh, when he created know. Guts. But it just he just he learned about that later on. It just like when somebody like pointed out That's but, true. But yeah. I'm trying to think like, I mean, again, I'm sort of avoiding talking about Guts in a serious way because I've already done it a few times. <laughs> but, like, like, where the hell does the name come from? I mean, I think maybe it's because he just came out of his mother's guts. I don't know. He's also a gutsy person, right? But, like, I don't think that that's what Nero took the inspiration from, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like Guts... I'm not sure if, like, Mira created Guts with, like, the intention of, like, him being, his name being Guts as in G-U-T-S, like, in English. I, feel I think, the, like, when Young Animal, like, writes his name. Yeah. Like, when Studio Gaga decides to write his name, I don't know for what reason, in in Roman letters, in Roma G, yeah. they write it with an A. It's yeah. Gats. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, his theme also shows up as Gats in the soundtrack, too. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's interesting, but, like, I mean, I feel like, it's funny, because, like, Guts... I guess his name wasn't fully intentional, but I feel like it just works so well with his character yeah, that it yeah. doesn't even matter. So Yeah, like, I mean, ugh, I could not imagine myself getting used to saying gats. Gats. Not for the goat, not for the goat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, I'll keep this brief, but I think, you know, considering everything that we've already said about Guts and his past and everything like that, I mean, there, there's very little to say more, but I just have to say... The aspect of him as a swordsman has obviously been ever-present throughout the series. It just hasn't really always taken the forefront, right? Like, yes, he's the black swordsman. That's how 
that's the facade he puts up to protect himself from all the horrors of the world. You know, he fights with this massive sword. He, you know, brings fear into the hearts of all his enemies because he's just this menacing mass of hatred. Not so much in the later parts of the series, but the point is that the Black Swordsman is what Guts constructs to protect himself. And there you already have enough complexity to launch him several, you know, ranks up the list. But I think what really kind of makes him top, top tier is just the kind of moments where, for example, in the Golden Age arc, where the sword is literally, he, he forges this sort of un, un, like, it's not a, a relationship you have with an object anymore. Yeah. It's a companion at that point, right? It is, yeah. Like, you know, it's like his teddy bear, to a certain extent. Like, that panel of him, like, almost like in this fetal position around the sword, yeah. the Black Swordsman arc. It's a beautiful panel, and I think it tells you a lot of what you need to know about what the sword is to him, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's, I think a lot of people have made this, this, this comment, which I think is also what Mira intended. Um, you know, the fact that sort of Guts' link with his only parent figure, you know, Gambino was the sword. That's all yeah. it was. That's all he knew how to do something significant. Yeah, you know, that, that's existence. all Gambino gave him. That's all yeah. Gambino taught him. So. And that's, and, you know, as much as I think he started to resent Gambino after that, you know, it was still his father figure, and he still carried that kind of mentality yeah. throughout his life after leaving the original band yeah. that Gambino was in. And then, like, I mean, the latest chapters are just so rich in information for his relationship with the sword. Yeah. You know... Almost like he's talking to a sword as if it betrayed him, right? Yeah, it's like, it, it's like, yeah, it's like, because like the sword really is the one thing he could rely on in this world. It's just, it's not enough. He can't touch Griffith, like, you know. But it was enough for the longest time. Yeah. It, it was something that he could trust in for the longest time. And I mean, imagine, like, it's, it's like you were let down at the last moment, like when it really counted, sort of. Yeah. You know, and that's just brutal. Or yeah, or you know it takes. It also takes away from. I feel like that's his sword. Also provides him with this feeling of security, and that's just been. It's been lost. He can't exactly what you're saying. He can't rely on it as he thought he could. But, well, yeah, and that the, the, this panels of him in locked in the ship's room, right? Yeah, and then there's that panel of the sword just falling. Yeah, and, and him like like drowning. In yeah, that, yeah. It's just. I mean, it's brutal, but that's where you see the sword. For someone who lives in a world where every day is a struggle for survival, like, you know, and where you've done that every day of your life and you have the memories of those those encounters, right? Yeah. Like, you, you your relationship with what allows you to get through that gets messed up a little bit, you know? Yeah. And speaking I mean, of the state of, like, other despair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, oh, man, it's so hard. Well, I, it's, I it's codependence. It's codependence. Yeah. It's like... Because that's literally what it kind of begins to be like, right? It's it's not even a, an object anymore. It's it's a companion. It's like a part of him. Yeah. Sort of. And it's 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 messed up, but it's berserk. So you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an apt comparison, I feel. Like. Yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> right. I suppose that that's your number one. <laughs> Soccer. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's all good. But yeah, my number one is guts. So I guts. guess guts. You yes. know, so I guess, you know, um, so I guess to add on to, like, what we've talked about him, you know, together, I feel like, you know, in terms of, like, the actual, like, story and Guts as a character, I feel like, I guess, I don't know, I guess I want to kind of go into what the, what Guts means to me personally. I feel like, um, man, I feel like Guts has just, Guts just, res I feel like, honestly speaking, I feel like I've, I don't think I've ever resonated more with a fictional character more than I have with Guts. And that's really saying something considering 
just how insane the world of Berserk is and how insane Guts' circumstances are. But I feel like Guts has just meant so much to me. I feel like, I feel like even in, like recently, these past few months, I feel like I've gone through just so much... No, not... It hasn't been terrible. But I feel like I have gone through a decent amount of like internal struggle, at least. And I feel like Guts has just been this reminder to me to, yeah, it's okay. It's it's okay to struggle. But at the end of the day, I, you just need to keep struggling because... That's what life's about. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 And I feel like mm-hmm. and Guts has just meant so much to me. I feel like... I mean, hell, I mean, I even recently dyed my hair like him. Like, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, like, I, 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 like a streak of like uh, white to the side. So it's like, which, like, what you get? Berserker armor. Post berserker armor. Yeah, yeah. But man, I feel like I don't know. I mean, I feel like I could just if I could just hug Miura, I would. But like, if I could hug Guts, I would. He would yeah. let me. He he would cut me in two. But <laughs> I mean, if he yeah. let me, I would. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, damn. Uh, I mean, yeah. He's the goat. He's the goat. He is the struggler, and I feel like that's that's my main takeaway from his character. I mean, he's he's just so amazing and multifaceted. But to me, he is the the struggle. The struggle represents the ability to just keep going and keep persevering and keep rising to face tomorrow. And that's what I think makes him such a relatable character, like a universally relatable character, because he's he's the human form of. A universal aspect of life, right? Like, yeah, everybody has you. You. That's like the whole principle behind, like, you know, you know what happened when uh, Siddhartha Gautama went out of his castle, you know, in the origins of Buddhism, right? Like, that's the whole reason he invented Buddhism or invented yeah. why it came to be is because of the effect that it had when he came out in the world. It was inevitable he would see suffering. He would never. It was inevitable that he would see like struggle and, you know eventual way that he deals with that is a consequence of that reaction it's just no matter what there's going to be struggling and it's not avoidable and i think the way that guts is in a situation where he's just cursed to struggle not only just to struggle but to struggle in the worst ways possible and yeah the fact that someone can still endure that is just you know that's 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 why it's so crazy yeah, um, and it's like, you know, I mean, I feel like I've gone through moments where, like, damn, like, why, what's the point anymore? Why, why do I keep going, right? But I'm like, if, if Guts can just keep going in spite of everything, that hell, why the hell can't yeah, I keep, yeah. 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 And, you know, yeah. even, it, yeah, you can make the argument he's a fictional character, but the fact of the matter is that it makes sense. It is, it's, it's real as a concept, Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he's real or not. The fact of the matter is that. I mean, he feels real. He's so exactly, human. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, that's that, yeah. that requires extreme talent as as a as a storyteller to create, and also just extreme passion and willingness. Yeah. To 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 pour these really difficult concepts into into fiction, you know. Yeah. And I mean, what can be said about the goat himself that hasn't already been said, right, Mira? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, that's what Guts is to me. He's he's a swordsman, but that's just the surface, right? Yeah. It is a little bit of a form that has to be cracked and eroded for him to progress. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I think that as a swordsman, his character is beautiful, and that's why it's high on the list. But, I mean, Musashi's my number one, because of mostly because of stuff that you haven't gotten to yet, and, yeah. and as far as you're in the manga. I think, Ben, you said you're on volume 14 or 15. I think I'm on actually... I think I'm on 19. Yeah, so, 19. Yeah. Makes sense. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Are you on the part where he's where Kojiro's like, is it? It's it's well past Sekigahara, where he's he's fighting this band of samurai. I don't think I've gotten to that part yet. I think I've actually just like I haven't really actually really started it, but that's because I just finished eighteen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. It's like the final moments of the Kojiro arc. So okay. yeah, it's it's really a fight. Alright. Really good fights, plural, by the way. Yeah. Um No, I mean like, you know, Musashi to me is is very comparable to Guts, and I think, you know, I'm definitely not the first one to, to make that comparison. But it's because, you know, it's sort of like th- these characters who are in a world that is not like ours in the sense that you're not protected or sheltered whatsoever. Or you there's not even a possibility for you to be sheltered or protected from, from, from struggles, from horrors of the world as it is, right? But then Musashi, for example, he lives in a world that is sort of cut or be cut, or but he lives in a world that's sort of moving away from that, or sorry, kill or be killed. But he's living in a world that moves away from that, where he has to actively decide to throw himself into that world, sort of. Because technically he could stay out of it. And... I mean, it's it, that's the difference that you have to establish between Berserk and, and Vagabond, and subsequently the characters Gutsing and, and and Musashi. But I think at some point that starts to not matter anymore, right? Because I think at the end of the day, the real struggle gets internal, right? Like yeah. the outside elements carry kind of internal struggles to you. And eventually they're fighting very similar things about, like, you know, what is there to life besides fighting? What is there to life besides just surviving and and struggling forward? And therefore, why do I need to fight and struggle forward in the first place, right? Yeah. Like, if if that's not the goal, then what is the goal? Like, what, what is it... What is the goal that I'm getting to by using struggling, fighting, and stuff like that, right? And I think the fact that you know, both of them have to, are forced to face that, you know, is just, in, in very different ways, mind you, but still, in, I think, for example, Guts is thrown into the cold pond, so to speak, right? Like, he's yeah. just thrown into it, whether he likes it or not. Musashi has to make a choice to it, to do it. And I think if you think about Gorin, for example, right, it is reflective of, I think, a lot of samurai ideals, right? It's not just sword fighting, it's also a lot of just internal cultivation yeah just ways to live your life yes and also just like you know some people might call it pretentious but it is a fact of how i think samurais live like poetry you know i think there was some kind of proverb about you know the the samurai must wield the pen as much as he wields the sword or something like that right yeah like you have there was a lot of cultivation reading and because it was a high class system back then yeah and the fact that musashi who hasn't grown up in that environment right grew up very feral so to speak, right, is is forced to face that through his opponents. But then how hard he tries to translate his understanding that violence and strength is not everything that there is in the world into how he behaves and how difficult it is, how many times he fails, how reluctant he is to accept that there could be more than just fighting, yeah. that all his work that he did isn't actually that worth anything, um, is just... I mean, that's that's really tough. And I think, you know, Guts, again, is faced with very similar situations, especially now. All of the work that he did to get to this point where he had Casca, where he had everything, right, yeah. that he that he had not had for so long, that it's just, it was worth very little because, you know, in the moment, at least that's what it seems like, yeah. right? 
because Griffith just came and took it all away again, right? Everything. Yeah. Like, not yeah, just Casca, but the freaking island he was on, too. Yeah, and just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, because we, we lost the, um, because, wait, so, but, but Puck is still around, though, right? Yeah, Puck, Puck is not Puck dead, is still around, no. yeah, but just, yeah, yeah that entire, because, like, that girl, though, Ismo, that, she was lost, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah, now yeah, Isidro yeah. has to deal with that. I mean, Isidro isn't nearly as important, important as Guts, obviously, but, you know, yeah. he's still there. He's monkey still, man, like, monkey man. Monkey man, monkey boy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and I feel like that's, again, where I have to reiterate this idea of Bushido, which is that, you know, again, I don't want to act like I know about it when I really am not an expert at all. But, you know, it does carry a lot of ideals that, um, you know, you can find in other sort of religions or philosophies like Buddhism or like, you know, Nietzsche's ways of thinking about things, which, I mean, again, are controversial. But I think it's, it's just valuable to know that these characters can carry so many different, very long, you know, strands of, of philosophical thought that have had a lot of time to develop. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mira or Inoue um, really like kind of immerse themselves in philosophy to a certain extent to get these things, um, to, get, to, to translate that into their characters. And I mean, I think for me, the reason that Guts is not as high on this list is, I mean, as kind of bland or kind of weird and mundane as it might sound, is because he's not a he's not only a swordsman. True, yeah. For 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 Musashi, there's sort of like this this sort of this this responsibility to think about the sword, to think about it. Like you need to think about it. Yeah. And he realizes that he can't just keep just thinking about how he can use it, but like think about stuff beyond that, more like meta meta stuff. Yeah. And what results from that is just really nice, really, really nice character-wise, but then also just the fact that it, it can still be about the sword at the same time as it's about him. It's like almost like with Ichigo, just yeah. a li- less literal, less like the sword is me, as in like the sword is literally you, in Ichigo's case, and more like... <laughs> literally me. <laughs> and more like I've chosen to take the sword as a part of me, Yeah. and now I'm in this world... And I, I need to kind of deal with that, sort of. I don't know. I, I feel like I've ranted. <laughs> I definitely have. But, I mean, it's a reason why we read these stories. Because they make us rant, you know? Yeah, they, they make us feel things, you know? <laughs> that we need to talk about for, yeah. for, for an hour and a half. I don't know yeah. how long this has been going on. But yeah, at least over an hour, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, come back, Manga Kaiwa episode. Yeah, and, we... um, and keep struggling. I, yes. just, I cannot emphasize that enough. Yes. Keep struggling. It, it, you know, it's might not, <clears throat> it might not seem like you. It's worth it in the moment. Just like, just keep going wherever you are. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. there's value just in struggling in and of itself. There really is. Even if it doesn't yeah. seem like it, just think about it. Like, be proud of yourself for struggling to a certain extent. You know, like I don't know. It's it's, it's just that's just how it be. It's just how it yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we hope you guys have a wonderful time until the next episode. Uh, hopefully it won't be too long, especially since we're, we're, we're in the same uh, geographic area. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> For a while, so we might be able to do this more often. Nice. Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. Have a very wonderful day to you all. Yeah. Ciao. See ya.